Leadership File on Premier. So welcome to Leadership File, your weekly show inspiring you to lead for Christ wherever you are. I'm Andy Peck, your host, thanking you for joining us. And whether you're listening live or one of the many thousands who listen via the podcast, it's great to have you along. If you're new to the show, a reminder the show is available on demand via premierradio.com or via iTunes or Podbean. My aim with the shows is to provide knowledge, skills and attitudes for a Christian to lead so that God's work is advanced. So do continue to join us and God helping us, we will flourish in his ways. So to this week, we've hopefully moved on from the model of church where the minister does everything. Ephesians 4 reminds us the ministry gifts are given to equip God's people for works of service. But many Christians feel very ill-equipped, especially when it comes to talking about their faith with non-believing friends. So this week we're going to be looking at this topic, including talking about faith issues with Muslim neighbours. And I'm delighted to be joined by Andy Bannister. Andy is full-time director of the Solus Centre for Public Christianity based in Dundee, Scotland, and an adjunct speaker for Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. He's speaking and teaching regularly throughout the UK, Europe, Canada, USA and beyond, uh, from universities to churches, business forums to TV and radio. He has a background in philosophy and theology, including a PhD in Islamic studies from Brunel University. And Andy is the author of two books, An Oral Formulaic Study of the Quran and The Atheist Who Didn't Exist or The Terrible Consequences of Bad Arguments. He also co-wrote and presented the TV documentary Burning Questions. So Andy, lovely to have you along on The Leadership File. Andy, thank you for having me on the show. It's uh, it's great to be with you. So, so when did you come to faith, and and has speaking about faith always been quotes easy for you? Well, to answer the second half of the question first, <laughs> no, it no, it hasn't been easy. So, I uh, I grew up in a kind of Baptist family uh, in South London, and uh, I guess my Christian faith became my own sometime in my kind of mid to late teens. I can sort of remember going forward at, uh, at a youth rally when I really sort of felt the need that I had to respond, you know, personally to the gospel, not just to kind of live as it were under the faith of my parents. And then I think as I moved into my kind of sort of late teens and, and kind of figured out what kind of sort of faith meant, um, there was sort of, you know, some of the sort of big questions I kind of I kind of wrestled with as teens do, but I didn't really think about sort of publicly communicating my faith. And then eventually I moved into youth ministry. And then one day uh, someone came to our church and did a seminar on reaching Muslims. And as part of his presentation, he talked about how uh, every Sunday afternoon he was going up to Speaker's Corner in uh, in London and uh, standing on a ladder and sharing his faith. And it sounded very intriguing. And we chatted after the seminar. And he said to me, well, why don't you come to Speaker's Corner next week, Andy, and see what we do? And so I thought this sounded interesting. So the following week, I, uh, I met him at Marble Arch Tube Station. And I met him there. And he had two ladders with him. And I said, well, why have you got two ladders? And he said, well, one's for me and one's for you. And I remember responding to him. I said, I think I said, well, I thought you should come and see what we do. Huh. And he said, well, the best place to you know see is from the top of a ladder. I said, well, I've never preached on the street before. He went, oh, it's easy. I said, I've never spoken to Muslims before. Oh, they're easy. And he both <laughs> those things were wrong because I got onto the ladder and the Muslims who were there that day at Hyde Park at Speaker's Corner, they were well practiced in taking Christians down. And they threw all kinds of questions at me. And I had no answers. I remember getting down from the ladder thinking maybe I need to become a Muslim because they seem to have everything. I have nothing went home and kind of really wrestled with this, went to the Christian bookstore the following morning and sort of shared my kind of sad little story. And the guy behind the counter said, well, what you need, mate, is you need apologetics. And I said, what's that? I thought it sounded like a breakfast cereal. Um, <laughs> but he explained, no, it's the kind of sort of a harder Christian theology concerned with giving answers to tough questions. Sold me some books. I read the books, went back to Speaker's Corner two weeks later with the answers to every question. And they had new questions. 
And they did this to me all over again. And for the next three months, I would go to Speaker's Corner on the weekends, be humiliated in public, and then read heavily in the in the week to get up to speed. And during those three months, God just did some amazing things. He gave me a love of publicly defending my faith, gave me a love of public evangelism, and a sort of confidence that slowly grew, and a love uh, for Muslims wow. and really them and their questions. And that was where the journey began that's led eventually to to where I am now doing this as a as a full-time ministry. Well, that is fabulous. And and a, a, an interesting illustration of how true learning can take place if if we become motivated uh, by a situation. A lot of people are told stuff when they don't really want to hear it, particularly a lot of Christians. And, and you obviously were, were, were ripe for learning about it because you needed it. I think very much so. I mean, surely, you know, you know, the best motivation to learn to swim is realising that you might be <laughs> shortly falling over the side of the boat. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I think very much so. And there's something I think about learning the art of sharing our faith, you know, very much out on the on the mission field. And I think this applies to, 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 every, to, to every Christian. Not every Christian is called to stand on a ladder at Speaker's Corner. But, you know, if you have if you're a Christian in the workplace and you want to reach your friends, you know, don't feel that you have to have to be have all the answers before you start trying to reach your friends. Start trying to have conversations about the gospel. And as the issues and questions come up, let that drive you to, okay, now I need to find the answers to the, to the questions my friends are actually asking. Now, when people come to your website, you provide topics that you're often asked to speak on. And I was intrigued by how to talk about Jesus without looking like an idiot. It sounds like you've, you've felt a bit of an idiot up at that ladder. Um, so you have some experience, but, but it was an intriguing topic. Um, you encapsulate many people's feelings when we talk about evangelism. People feel like, I'm going to feel stupid. Uh, so what are some of the things you say to listeners who... Who, who think who who, you know, who would think they might feel like idiotic if they started? Yeah, I love the way you you sort of uh, set that question up, Andy. That I've got you know professional experience in being an idiot, so I think that's <laughs> that's one thing I can offer. Yeah, I think many Christians do, and I think thinking back to you know at the same time that just before the speaker's corner stuff had begun, I look back to you know my first job working for a large London teaching hospital, and I and I guess I was very much like an undercover Christian. Um, you know, I didn't talk about my faith publicly. I remember actually after five years after after that job ended, at leaving lunch they threw for me, it turned out a, a, a friend of mine two doors down the corridor was also a Christian, but she'd been playing undercover Christian, I'd been playing undercover Christian, so we didn't actually know we existed. So I think a lot of Christians play this game in the workplace, and we're afraid, I think, of a number of things. I think Christians are afraid of looking stupid, uh, we're afraid perhaps of making the gospel look bad, somebody raises a question we can't answer it we're afraid that will, that will that will cast a negative light on jesus and the gospel perhaps we're afraid of people asking us difficult questions i think all those fears uh are very effective are often shutting us down and so one of the things i like to do when i when i teach kind of sort of seminars on, on evangelism i say look the great thing is there are a number of really really practical and easy to begin using evangelistic techniques that, you know, whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or you've been a Christian for five years or 55 years, uh, we can all use. And one of the most powerful ones, and it's not it's not original to me, many others have, have highlighted the same thing, Andy, is the power of learning questions, how to ask good questions. You know, we read the Gospels, Jesus was primarily a question asker. A number of times he asked, asks questions or responds to questions with questions. And I think as Christians, learning to be people who don't necessarily have to have all the answers in, in easily packageable form, but people who have got practice in asking good questions is a great way to begin. So, you know, one very simple example, we often meet people who say, well, I'm not interested in religion, I'm an atheist, and rather than get all defensive, as Christians, a great question to say to your atheist friend is, that's fascinating. You know, atheist tells me what you don't believe, but what do you believe? You know, yeah. what do you think the point of life is? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What, mm. What's the, you know, the most important pressing issues for you? 
And now you're showing an interest in the other person. And as they begin answering those kind of questions, you know, you can be praying quietly that gospel kind of opportunities open up. So be people who ask uh, good questions. Best book I know on this is called Questioning Evangelism, written by a friend of mine called Randy Newman. And I often refer to that in the seminars. It's a wonderful book helping us just learn how we can have everyday conversations about Jesus. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, great. And and in terms of strategy of, of church leaders listening who might be seeking to train people, uh, I mean, are you in favour of, of faith courses? You know, do you think you can be taught to share your faith or is this kind of something you've, you you need to practice like we were saying in terms of mm. just getting on with it oh you can definitely be be uh be taught uh andy i mean we do uh at solas we run a, a thing called the confident christianity conference this okay. is a sort of conference we take on the on the road around the country it's a mm-hmm. kind of one day thing and we teach some very practical tools as as part of that but we also um you know sort of help people think through some of the tough questions and that's a great starter for people but there also is a sense to which i think people then need to actually get out there and do it you know there are some things you you can learn the theory perhaps sitting in a in a room but you have to actually then go do i mean a good example would be one of my one of my hobbies when i'm not you know, engaged in ministry, I love sort of climbing. And, um, you know, sure, you can learn a few things about rock climbing, watching a TV documentary or reading a book. But ultimately, you either need to get down to the gym and actually have a go at the climbing wall or go and, half, or go and hang off a crag somewhere, because you can't really learn until you actually start putting it into practice. And the same goes for evangelism. One thing I think church leaders listening to this could do is I I think that as, as, the church, as churches, we sometimes fall down on is, look, evangelism can be fearful. People are afraid of evangelism. So what about trying to encourage, put Christians together into small groups in our churches to be supporting one another as they evangelize? I think I've seen some churches do that very effectively. Get Christians into groups of five or six, you know, sort of share the, the stories of how you've tried to share your faith at work or at home or whatever. Encourage one another, pray for each other, um, because that then gives you a kind of support structure um, as you're going out there learning to do evangelism. Thinking back to my time at Speaker's Corner, you know, I learned a lot up on the ladder, but also what was great every evening after after we'd done the kind of evangelism out at Hyde Park, you know, the, the 10 or 12 of us who were there all went off to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Other restaurants are available. And we would kind of, you know, sit around, tell the stories, the successes, the failures, pray for each other. And that camaraderie, that sense of support made it much easier. And I think a lot of Christians feel very lonely in terms of trying to do evangelism at work, at home, at school. And I think there's, there's something we're missing perhaps there as, as church leaders, how we give those support structures to make it easier. Um Speaker's Corner is a particular type of setting. Have you had experience of, of other street-style outreach, or would you, do you think it's actually better for people to do more private, personal stuff? Well, the funny thing is, as you heard in my kind of story there, I sort of began at Speaker's Corner. Mm. That's not really my natural mm-hmm. uh, in, environment. I, I went there for about five years and then sort of thought, this is not quite for me. Um, there's a couple of places I, I love. Um, for me personally, I love one of the things we do at Solas a lot is we do a lot of what we call cafe evangelism. You know, we regularly have churches coming to us saying, you know, we, we don't know how to do evangelistic events. Can you help us? And a format that we have found just works superbly is we encourage the church to find a, a local neutral space, maybe a coffee shop or a, a curry house or the local pub if it's got a function room. You book the space out, you know, get a get a get a speaker or if a pastor, you know, can can do this with a little bit of practice. You know, put on a do a uh, then you invite your non-Christian friends to come, and it's dead easy, much easier to invite them to Costa Coffee. Other coffee houses are available. Sure. Um, then invite them to church. And then, yeah, do a little sort of gospel talk, open it up for Q&A. Q&A is the secret, we find, because they invite people to, to raise their questions. And what we find those events do is they really, really work. And our non-Christian friends are actually 
often have spiritual questions, don't feel they can ask them. They themselves are a bit nervous about going into churches. But we find those kind of third spaces, cafes, pubs, coffee shops, very, very easy. And then the other type of evangelism is, as you say, just that kind of one-on-one. Um, you know, a great way to sort of think about personal evangelism is, I think, to you know, prayerfully ask the question, who are the non-Christians? Uh, in my life, who are the who are the friends? Who are the who are the neighbours? Who are the are the colleagues? And if the answer is none, and for sometimes for Christians in leadership, actually this can be a challenge. For church leaders, you can look around and see suddenly all your friends are Christians. I think hospitality is an un, is an often uh, unspoken of evangelistic tool. You know, invite your neighbours around for a meal. Dead easy thing to do. Just go knock on next door and say, hey, come around to dinner, and uh, and start building sort of friendships. Uh, with non-Christians and just use those use those conversations naturally. As I said earlier, ask good questions, take a real interest in people, and then don't be afraid when, when people begin asking about, about your life and your beliefs. Thank you. Well, you're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Andy Bannister, the full-time director of the Solace Centre for Public Christianity based in Dundee. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to the Leadership Farm with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Andy Bannister, and he's the full-time director of the Solace Centre for Public Christianity based in Dundee, Scotland. We were talking before the break a little of his journey into uh, understanding how to communicate his faith, some of the challenges of that. And uh, we're, we're looking in the second section, particularly at, uh, at, at sharing our faith with, with Muslim neighbours. And um, I had the privilege of listening to Andy at, um, at a reboot conference as I t- took my teenage boys along. Uh, and Andy did a, a very succinct and helpful uh, presentation there of, of based a little bit on the background of his own personal research into, um, into Islam, part of his, uh, his PhD. So Andy, the, uh, you, you mentioned in the, I think in the talk that the number of Muslims in the UK is growing rapidly from 3.5 million today, um, and predicted to grow to about 13 million in 30 years. Um, some listeners will be only too aware of the challenge, but perhaps very nervous of the prospect of talking with someone. So what, what might be the major fears that keep Christians from sharing their faith with Muslims? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Andy. I think there are a number of fears uh, there. I think some Christians are, are afraid of Muslims in general. This idea that you often hear this idea that I think we bought into that all Muslims are extremists. And I can understand why people think that, because often when Islam is reported in the media, it's often because some Muslim somewhere has done something dramatic and spectacular and outrageous. Um, so there's that fear. Then I think there's a fear of causing offence. This is such a, a common one, uh, I think, increasingly in the kind of postmodern culture that we live in. You know, as Brits, we don't naturally don't want to cause offence. We don't want to upset people. And so I think many Christians are actually afraid of having conversations about faith for fear will aff- offend our Muslim friends. And then I think the third fear is that uh, of not knowing what to say. You know, if I were to have a conversation with a Muslim, what do I say? That's a very common one I hear from Christians. They say to me things like, I don't know anything about, about Islam, so how could I share my faith with my, with my Muslim friend? And, and that last one, actually, I always like to sort of turn around slightly and say, actually, not knowing anything about Islam can actually be a real benefit. The danger for someone like myself, who's been involved in this for, for many years, is you think you know everything. Um, if you don't know anything about Islam, a great opening question with a Muslim friend or neighbor is, look, I, I understand you're a Muslim, I'm a Christian, I don't know anything about Islam, what do you believe? And just ask lots of questions. And as you do that, they'll eventually come to the point in the conversation where your Muslim friend says to you, well, so what do you believe as a Christian? And then you're away. Sure. And um, obviously there will be levels of, of nominalism even amongst the Muslim population, won't there? So uh, some, some may be less, less conversant in what they're supposed to believe than others, perhaps? Yeah, very much so. I mean, one of the one of the things about the Muslim communities, remember, is the Muslim community, like the Christian community, is incredibly diverse. 
And so, uh, you know, not every Muslim believes the same things. There are a variety of different beliefs within Islam. Um, and then, but then, as you say, there's the, there's, a, there's a nominalism. And that's why I think, you know, leading with those kind of questions, you know, what do you believe, what really matters uh, to you, you'll very quickly discover whether the Muslim you're you know, you're talking to uh, is is very, very devout. And, uh, you know, that conversation might go one way. Or if, uh, you know, one of my, my wife many years ago had a had a friend at work who was married to a Muslim and uh, her, her colleague's husband was basically so nominal that he, that he basically was sort of more or less not Muslim. His one, his, one, his, one, uh, his one hat tip to regular Islam was he would eat bacon as a Muslim, but not during Ramadan. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and my wife reported this to me and I said, yeah, that's pretty nominal. Um, <laughs> but he was still interested in spiritual questions. It was yeah. just, he was sort of, you know, so far from what the majority of Muslims believe but you know very much had to treat him as an individual yeah so uh, you gave a seminar as i say at this ruby Rubik conference on the three questions yes. you can ask a muslim now i'm not going to give you en enough time we haven't got enough time but can you just outline briefly what these were because i think they'll be very useful yeah so they i talked about the fact that you know from years of talking to muslims many of the same questions come up and the three we took in the half an hour talk at Reboot, we looked at the whole question of the reliability of the Bible. Many Muslims believe the Bible has been corrupted, largely because it contradicts the, the Quran. So, you know, for Muslims, that's a, that's a big problem because Muhammad, when he preached the Quran, claimed it was the same as the Bible. It's not the same as the Bible. So many Muslims have tried to solve that by saying, well, the Bible's been, you know, corrupted throughout history. So if you're going to engage with Muslims, you need to know how to defend the scriptures. Um, secondly, it's like odd one, probably to many listeners. Many Muslims believe that Muhammad, uh, their, their prophet, their founder, is prophesied uh, in the Bible. And there are various Bible texts they like to sort of take and, and twist to that end. And then thirdly, there's the whole question of the Trinity. Um, Muslims have a real problem with the idea of the Trinity. They think that Christians have taken Jesus, who was just a man. They believe Jesus was a prophet and elevated him to godhood, to deity. So again, in engaging with our Muslim friends, uh, the identity of Jesus, his, his divinity, the Trinity are going to come up. So we looked in that seminar at how we might address those three questions. And this is uh, something of an advert in a sense, because Reboot, I understand the Reboot uh, seminar you gave is available free. <laughs> it is indeed. So the easy way to find it, if you go to, uh, if uh, as listeners, you go to YouTube and you either type, you can do it to one or two ways, type reboot, R-E-B-O-O-T, reboot, and then my name, Bannister, uh, you should find the, the seminar, or you can type three questions Muslims ask into YouTube. I tried that earlier and that gets the talk as well. So either of those, you'll find it on YouTube. It's uh, with the Q&A, it's 45 minutes and it's uh, free of charge. So what's not to like? Indeed, indeed. Now, we can't look at everything in, in this show, but I, I was delighted to see the resources you have. Uh, uh, do you pronounce it Solus or Solus? Uh, Solas, I Solas. believe. But, but as an English speaker living in Scotland, my uh, Gaelic is always correct. Okay, fair enough. Sorry. Solas. Okay, well, I was just—I thought I'd check. I'd—I'd I'd used the word a few times, and I wanted to check. Anyway, but you include a free e-book that you wrote with Tanya Walker. So, what did you look in uh, in the e-book? Yeah, so Tanya is a colleague of mine at the uh, Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics, part of Ravi Zacharias uh, Ministries here in the UK. And we wrote a book a few years ago uh, called Islam in Context, and we did a chapter reach. So I did a kind of overview. Of, uh, of Islam, so in about sort of 20 pages, sort of takes you on a whistle-stop tour of, of what Muslims believe and, and the history of, of Islam. So hopefully, you know, you can read that in an hour and get a really good understanding of Islam. And then the second chapter, which, uh, which Tanya wrote, really looked at a key question for Muslims and Christians, which is, what is God like? 
Um, we can assume one of the biggest mistakes we can make as Christians is assuming that our Muslim friends, because they use the same word as we do, they mean the same thing. And the, and the best example of this is the word God. They talk about one God. We talk about one God. Very important to understand that the Muslim concept of God is utterly different uh, to the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a God who's relational, knowable, a God who is love, a God who has suffered in and through the cross and through Christ uh, for our redemption. The God of the Quran is a God who is distant, remote, unknowable, not relational, not described as love, and has certainly not uh, undertaken the action of the atonement for our rescue and salvation. And understanding the, the difference in the concept of God is so helpful in uh, sharing with our Muslim friends. And so Tanya's chapter in that free ebook takes, uh, takes a look at that. Splendid. And, um, and, and Solus itself uh, looks at wider apologetic issues. So you can go to your, your website and see other discussions about uh, philosophical issues and, and theological issues. Yeah, that's right. So listeners can go to solas-cpc for Centre for Public Christianity or just stick my name into Facebook and you'll find it. And we cover everything, Andy. I mean, literally everything. Primarily, we're an evangelistic organisation. We're about the gospel and Jesus. But we're also about dealing with the questions and the and the issues that keep people from taking the gospel seriously. So we do that in terms of evangelistic events, like the cafe events and things that we talked about. But then we also help Christians think through how to respond. So yeah, if you go to the Solas website, all kinds of things. And in particular, we direct listeners to two things, uh, our short answer videos. We've got over 50 short videos now, three to four minutes each, uh, tackling the tough questions, ideal for sharing evangelistically, perhaps on Facebook. And then we've just launched uh, a brand new podcast called Pep Talk, a persuasive evangelism podcast. And every episode, uh, myself and a co my co-host and a guest are going to help teach listeners, uh, uh, you know, some really good tips and methods and ideas for how we can share our faith in Christ with friends, neighbours, and colleagues. So all that's there on the website, all free. Oh, fabulous! And you, you obviously get around uh, the country from time to time. You do a bit of travelling. We do. So we cover, obviously, Scotland, being based here in Scotland, but we also reach down from Scotland uh, into the north of England and, and further afield. In fact, in a few days' time from when we're recording this, I'm off to Salisbury to do one of our Confident Christianity conferences. We take those around the country. So, yeah, if church leaders are listening to this and thinking, hey, we'd you know, love to work with, with, with Solas on an evangelistic event or a training event, do, do reach out to us. We, uh, we crisscross the country on a weekly basis. And, and Confident Christianity would be a day event or several days? Yeah. Normally a day event is the way uh, is the way we do that, Andy. We normally come for a day, and uh, myself and other kind of speakers, we tailor it very much to the needs of the church. And, uh, yeah, lots of kind of practical stuff in there, but also looking at, you know, what some of the big questions in our culture keeping people from from Christ. So, yeah, we're, uh, we're doing that on a regular basis. And then what we're launching in the next kind of year or so to really extend Confident Christianity, we're literally in the, in the middle right now of uh, developing an e-learning course that will say to churches, look, when you host a Confident Christianity conference with us, we'll then, you know, give you as a free resource this, uh, this small group e-learning course that you can take small groups in your church through. That will really help them put into practice in personal evangelism with friends, neighbours uh, and colleagues, uh, everything they've learned at the conference. Because our, our dream is to go, what would it look like if every Christian in the UK felt confident and relaxed to just talk about Jesus in a natural way with their friends, their neighbours and their colleagues? It's a big dream, but if we can help uh, do our small part to getting towards that, I think amazing things will happen because God is very much at work here uh, in the UK. And, uh, you know, the spiritual questions that people are asking are more than ever, I 
think actually uh, there's a spiritual hunger that I, that I and colleagues haven't seen in years uh, right now. But at the same time, Christians seem far less prepared than ever to engage with that spiritual hunger. So Solas likes to stand in the, in the gap, really, reaching out to those who are asking and helping equip those who in Christ have the answers. Oh, Andy, well, it's, it's terrific to hear. And thank you so much for what you've shared today, which I hope will um, encourage folk to, you know, be, to be a bit emboldened for finding out more or maybe actually taking a risk and, and asking questions of their friends and family. Brilliant, Andy. It's been a, a real pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for, the, uh, thanks for having me. So that's Andy Bannister of uh, Solus uh, Centre for Public Christianity. Uh, and this is Andy Peck thanking you for joining us. Check out the podcast online on Premier Radio, iTunes or Podbean. And may God help you as you seek to lead in his name. As we close the words of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. Thank you.